Now, would you please turn in your Bible to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Communion servers, would you please step forward to the front row as folks are turning. Today is Pentecost Sunday. Have you ever been in pursuit of a personal Pentecost experience? Our beautiful theme today is just that, in pursuit of a personal Pentecost experience. We read of the first century Pentecost in Acts chapters one and two, and we'll get to the scripture here in a moment. In the first century, there were three great Jewish festivals to which every, every uh, male Jew living within 20 miles of Jerusalem was legally supposed to attend. The three great festivals were the Passover, Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacles. Pentecost means the 50th, and it was called that because it fell on the 50th day a week of weeks after the Jewish Passover. Passover fell usually in the first part of or in the middle of April, and so Pentecost has normally been 50 days later. Originally, Pentecost had two main significances. First, Pentecost commemorated the giving of the law to Moses on Mount Sinai. And secondly, Pentecost was a time to express gratitude to the Lord for the harvest. On this special Jewish celebration called Pentecost, God Almighty decided to do something powerful that changed. That changed the early Christians into an incredible uh, powerhouse of people. And what God did in, in, in the first century Christians the Lord is able to also do in your life and mine. Let's focus on what the Lord is able to do. Look at Acts chapter eight, uh, chapter one, verse eight, where we read. Jesus is speaking here, and he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. My friends, I want you to notice, first of all, with me, the Pentecost promise. Verse 8 says, you will receive, not maybe, not, not, oh, if you hope so. He says, you will receive. That is the Pentecost promise. Earlier in verse 4, Jesus is recorded as saying, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. And hundreds of years earlier, the Lord declared through, through the prophet Joel, in Joel 2, verses 28 to, 28 to 30, the Lord declared this promise. He said, I will pour out, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth. And so, my friends, the Pentecost 
promise was indeed spoken of even long before it was fulfilled. And Romans chapter 4 verse 21 tells us that Abraham was fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. And so we see that Pentecost, the powerful outpouring of God's Holy Spirit, was the fulfillment of a promise which the Lord made. It's also the Lord's promise for you and me as well. It's his promise. And what what is this promise about? What is this promise about? Well, it takes us to our second truth today, and it is this. The Pentecost, the Pentecostal power. The Pentecostal power. Verse 8 says, you will receive power. You will receive power. What can this, what can this um, power accomplish? What can it accomplish? Well, the Holy Spirit's power can accomplish power for personal purity. Power for personal purity. We read in Acts 2, beginning at 1, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. That scripture tells us what the the, the, the power of the Lord can accomplish. Dr. Blakelock in the Tyndale New Testament commentary says this. He says, wind and fire were an accepted symbolism for the powerful and cleansing operation of God's spirit. And you and I, you and I can experience the power of God to cleanse us, to purify us, to clean us up on the inside, to give us pure hearts, Praise God, he is able to purify your heart and mine. And so, what can this power accomplish? It can accomplish power for personal purity. That's A, for those of you who might be making notes. B, well, there's power to boldly stand up for your faith. To boldly stand up for your faith. In Acts 2, verse 14 to 16 We read, then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. No, what what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. And so we discover that this power enables us to boldly stand up for our faith. But furthermore, this power, there's power to experience miraculous signs and wonders, signs and wonders, and we we can read of them in Acts 2, 43, and Acts 3, verses 1 through 16. God's power, God's power, you and I can pray and, and, and trust that the Holy Spirit, by his power, can bring about miracles, signs and wonders that are beyond your comprehension and mine. Amen? But there is also power to be generous and unselfish. 
power to be generous and unselfish. Point E, in Acts 2, verses 44 and 45, we see how the believers were, 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 were generous and unselfish. There was also power, power to be courageous, Acts 4, 12 and 13. Powers, power to be united, Acts 4, 32. There's power to persevere in your faith during tough times, Acts 5, 17 through 21. Power to overcome anger and bitterness. Ah, how great it is to know that the Lord is able to give us power to overcome anger and bitterness. Amen? There was a cheerful truck driver who pulled up at a roadside cafe one day in the middle of the night for a dinner stop. Halfway through his dinner, Three wild-looking motorcyclists roared up, bearded, leather-jacketed, filthy, with swastikas adorning their chests and helmets. For no reason at all, for no reason at all, they selected the truck driver as a target. One poured pepper over his head, another stole his apple pie, the third deliberately upset his cup of coffee, the truck driver never said one word, never said a word. He just got up, paid his bill, and left. That truck driver sure ain't much of a fighter, sneered one of the motorcycle guys. And the girl behind the counter, peering out into the night, added, Oh, he doesn't seem to be much of a driver either. He just ran his truck right over your three motorcycles. <laughs> A lot of us might be inclined to cheer for the truck driver. We might be inclined to say, way to go, Mr. Truck Driver. You got the three motorcyclists back by running over their bikes. They should not have treated you at the roadside cafe the way they did. Now the truth is, in your life and mine, there will be times when someone mistreats you and out of your anger and bitterness, you will feel like striking back. That's true, isn't it? The good news is, the good news is, you and I can have power to overcome the anger and the bitterness. And what or who is the source of this Pentecostal power? That question takes us to our third great truth, and that is this. Number three, the Pentecostal person. The Pentecostal person, Acts 1 verse 8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The Holy Spirit of God is the source of our power. Acts 1 verse 5 says, For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Have you been baptized with the Holy Spirit? To be baptized means to be immersed in this instance. It means to be immersed 
in the Holy Spirit of God. Surrender totally to the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us in Acts 2 that God's mighty Holy Spirit, verse 4, everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. Everyone was filled with the Holy Spirit. Pentecost reminds us that each one of us can experience the presence and the power and the purity of God's Holy Spirit. Are you enjoying? Are you experiencing the fullness of God's Holy Spirit? There's a beautiful hymn that encourages us to say, Lord, fill me, fill me. I've asked George and Ruth Adams to come and lead us in the singing of this beautiful hymn. Hover o'er me, Holy Spirit, bathe my trembling heart and brow, Fill me with thy hallowed presence. Come, oh come, and fill me now. Would you stand? Would you stand? And as, as we sing, as we sing, this can be a, a moment of time for some of us here to bow our heads, for you to bow your head right where you are, Say, Lord, on this Pentecost Sunday, I need you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Some of you may want to step forward and kneel and, or stand around the altar and pray that kind of a prayer. How good it is to know that in this day and age, we can still trust the Lord to fill us with his Spirit. Feel free to come to pray for a few moments before we have communion. Let's sing, George. Hover o'er me, Holy Spirit,
Dear Lord, we're thankful for the privilege that is ours to invite you and ask you to fill our hearts, fill our lives with yourself, with your Holy Spirit. Keep us filled, Lord. We read in your Bible in Ephesians, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh God, keep us filled. Keep us filled, oh Lord. And now, blessed Lord, we're thankful to celebrate our faith and trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior as we participate in the Lord's Supper. Thank you, Lord, for the, the bread and, and the drink emblems of your broken body and shed blood. And Lord, as we partake of these elements now, we want to praise you for the privilege that is ours to be a part of the family of God to know you, to love you, and to serve you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.